back at it again with the Kilimanjaro. Kilimanjaro. I know I, I know I said I wouldn't say that again, <laughs> right? But I decided to because you know what? We have a very special guest and he's very into, you know, self-development and actually climbing that mountain, you know? Mm. Now, uh, he's an African guy. You can definitely hear it in his tonality with um, his new songs, right? He has a song out right now. It's called Tris Had a Dream, right? But he's been into this whirlwind of like philosophy, self-development, and he's trying to actually put that in his music. But I actually met him at a door-to-door company. I have referenced that before in previous episodes, but I was doing door to door for about six to seven months before I actually got my teeth sunk into uni. So with pleasure, I'm gonna introduce my guy, San Paulo. So say welcome to the people, bro. Yeah, thanks. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to be here. Been a long time, great to catch up. Uh, my name is Sam Paula and I go by the name of Tris um, as an artist and yeah, and so, as you said, we met him at a Jotadel sales company. Yeah. And yeah, so I went there as a way to jump into more like personal development, push myself into uncomfortable situation, yeah. baptism by fire sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I took a lot of growth out of that, but um, I felt like the journey was still going and spiritually and everything. So, um, and it's interesting that you say that because when you imagine a door-to-door company, or for those of you who might be watching this, when you think of a door-to-door company, you're like, okay, pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme, pyramid scheme. That's in your head. That's been drilled into your head since day one, right? And now door-to-door companies are actually paying their employees per hour. But when me and Sao Paulo were doing it, it wasn't like that, guys. It was not like that. <laughs> Just commission only. If you don't make sales, you're going home hungry. Hungry. Empty-handed. Right? That rice and ketchup shit. Uh, you know, uh, some, some people were living off that, you know? Yeah, literally. Like, um, obviously, Sampala, like, is quite young, right? So he probably had his, like, family's backing. Hmm. But there were people there that were, like, 30, 40, you know? Rougher, Eastern yeah. European Donnies, yeah. you know? Like, some people actually came from, like, Nigeria, et cetera, hmm. et cetera came over here to find a job, that was the job that they unfortunately stepped into. It's rough, isn't it? Because I did, uh, what's it, I did that uh, similar one. Um, what, telesales? Yeah, but it, yeah. yeah, it was on the phone instead of door to door. And that one was like, we got paid, we basically got paid like £10 a day, but if we made any sales, it would be yeah. extra. Yeah, that's, that was, it was pretty £10 pounds a day. Yeah. <laughs> at least you, you got to <laughs> eat at the end. Yeah, it was £10 pounds a day. <laughs> Here's a tenner, go get some chips and then yeah, make your way home and there's, you're paying it. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it so you're making it. two pounds per day basically because that's seven pounds in itself. literally and what made seven, it worse it started, it started at uh, 15 pounds per day and yeah. then the manager literally got us all together and said oh basically you have to cut it down to 10 pounds per day innit? yeah and what made it work what made it really weird was one of the people that i was working with they were like oh yeah yeah that's fine i'd, I'd rather <laughs> i'd rather work like that than be paid um like seven pounds an hour to just stand there at a store. yeah i'm like well, I'd rather be I'd rather be working at the store, innit? Yeah. If you're being yeah, yeah. so, um, <laughs> let me give a bit of background into the type of organization that we are working for, right? So, they make it seem glamorous, right? They sell you the dream, which is okay. You can own your own company. Yeah. And to anyone listening, you're probably like, okay, yeah, that sounds dope. 
why why wouldn't I do that, right? Um, and then you go to like these interviews. You go to like you go from for like three to four different stages of interviews. Mm. So you have a phone call. They vet you. They're like, okay, yeah, no, this guy sounds amazing. Blah blah blah. Let's take him in uh, to the next stage. Then you have another phone call with uh, the manager, <laughs> right? And in our case, it was this big, scary Donny named Boyd. Shout out to Boyd if you Because uh, if you are, this is joke. Like... have you on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Because Loki, he fuck, he fuck anyone up. He's a, he's a hench Donny. Like, and his his like USP was that he can scare anyone with his like looks yeah, because yeah. He, he's built. But he also has like the gift of the gab. Like he is a very convincing motherfucker. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I mean, he got be if you work, yeah. if you're doing that. Stuff. And he he did build himself from the ground up, like realistically speaking. You know, like mm. he went from door to door to door, uh, made sure he hit the target of at least six sales per day, which averages out to around like I think 120 pounds back then. Yeah. Um, and that's the minimum. And if you don't hit that every single day, um, then you get the motive basically. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And the problem, though, where I was is I had uh, started building a team, right? And that's like the second stool, the second like step ladder. Mm. Uh, and there's like four step ladders to get you to reach like a general manager, then regional manager, then so on, right? And you start to get residual income when you have a team of five, like we were saying earlier, mm. right? And I was on like the second step ladder. And obviously, Sampala was saying that he he was doing it for uh mentality boost yeah you know to make himself uncomfortable because as we said in previous podcasts nothing grows in our comfort zone everything grows mm. outside of it because we're so you know adjusted to our own comfort zone if we don't push ourselves out then we're going to remain the same human being yeah, yeah i doubt any of us want to do that right yeah man like um it was weird for me because i was a pretty young guy right so i was only like what 21 I'd say I think Sampala is like a little bit older than me, right? Mm. Maybe like maybe a year or so older than me. How old are you, bro? I'm 26 now. Okay, yeah. So he's 26, right? Um, and I, like for me, on the flip side, it was uncomfortable because I had to teach my elders. Yeah. You know, and from a young age, we're taught, okay, you should respect your elders. You know, come back a little bit. You know, like take it easy, take a pause. But I guess my vision in that leadership position was all about making it fun because some people are miserable. Like they yeah. were going to, like I had to wake up at eight o'clock to go to the office at 10 yeah. to go for two hour training to get paid commission only. Mm. Right. Now that's fucked in itself. Right. Mm -hmm. But like people who were at the training, like their heads were down, you know, like the attitude was low. And you could see that the teams that were progressing were the ones who were having the most fun. So I was like, fuck everything else. It doesn't matter about like who says fuck off to me at the door or tells me to piss off. Or is like, we, we used to get racial slurs as well at doors sometimes. Well, I yeah. did anyways. I don't know about you. Um, probably, <laughs> most probably. Yeah, like I think once with Matt and that. Just people yeah. shouting stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. But, like, low-key, at the end of the day, we were kids dressed up in suits, knocking on doors with iPads. Yeah. Who's going to take us seriously? Yeah, yeah. Not a lot of people. 
but you have to be ruthless in that scenario. And I guess that's what I tried to push on to like anyone who I was teaching, you know, mm. but now it's kind of like, um, I'm starting again, bro. You know, like I'm still like fishing for new opportunities, you know, yeah. like, I have my marketing job. Like it's, it's all cushy, right. But I'm trying to like expand out in a freelance way so that I mm. can get other people in my team in the same way as Hero Corp, but in a more collaborative format where it's not, I'm the leader and you're the follower. It's like, we're a partnership and together we're going to make this vision come true. You know? Mm. And that's, I guess that's how I was back then. I didn't know I was like that back then. Support for Killy Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. They offer the best in men's below the waist grooming and trimming. They offer precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Diamonds. They've just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the 4.0, all across Europe. Mm-hmm. They've come with an exclusive offer for you. It's an exclusive offer for you just because you listen to us. Imagine you get something from listening to us. Use the code uh, Killy Podcast for 20% off plus uh, free worldwide shipping. That's Killy Podcast. Just like our Instagram. They've engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The upgraded trimmer also has an on and off switch that can engage in a travel lock. You can also turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave. The Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim from using blades 1 through 3. The new wireless charging system uses electromagnetic induction. I said that right, yeah? Get your own pool and hair trimmer at Manscaped using our code KILLYPODCAST for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Your boys will thank you. But no, like, um, he was the, he was the guy who, like, he was basically like my favorite, you know, in, in terms of like who I was leading. And that's because obviously like we related, blah, blah, blah. We could talk about anything kind of thing. We, we spoke about, you know, football to girls to et cetera, everything. Right. Mm. And then he left because this fucking, he got, he got zero sales one day. Yeah. Right. Just one day. Yeah. And that Boyd manager that we were talking about, the six foot five Donny. Yeah. Screamed at him in front of the whole office. <laughs> so how was that situation for you, bro? Because I've been there. You did it to me too when I had a bad yeah. day. Yeah, I mean, it's like on one level, it's like what else do you expect sort of thing? Um, you've got this target you're meant to hit. And then on on the other hand, it's like there's only so much you can control. Um, you might end up with a day where it's like oh, the situation is basically out of your hands. You don't know what kind of person you're going to speak to sort of thing. And yeah. so when someone kind of seems to throw all the blame on you whilst you know that it's not necessarily all yours. It's kind of, you kind of get tempted to retaliate in a way, but you just have to look at the bigger picture and take it on the chin and just accept that it's just part of the, part of the game. Yeah. And I guess that's what it was for us. And it was, it was a game to see how far we could push ourselves and yeah low-key like i'm still you know i'm friends with a couple guys from hero Corp. not a lot um somehow we've stayed in touch Mm. Um, and that was through after not speaking for a year or so you sent me uh your music Mm. you know 
And I was like, okay, cool. Like this guy's probably just starting his like thing. So he's just pushing out to everyone. Right. But I took mm-hmm. that as, okay, cool. I'm still in his contact list. Might as well listen to the song. And like, we can play a little bit now if you want. But um, <laughs> this is, uh, I had a dream. It's your latest track, isn't it? Yeah. Latest one on YouTube. So what was your like, I don't know. I guess let's get into this whole music thing. Like what made you start music or was this always going to be a thing? Uh, music is always, well, music has always been my main thing. Uh, since, what, like back then? Yeah, since since at school, basically. Um, I started, did, started school when I was in like year 10 and that. So I started music in year 10 and that. Yeah. And did it at college as well. Did it at uni. Um, and then, yeah, I've always been, passionate about music and being um, an artist. I've always like, for me, I'm an artist regardless of like how many people have heard of me or not. Like, I think anyone who's creative understands that you just have to create regardless of whether people wanna hear it or whatever. And it's just part of who you are. Like you have to express yourself and music is my favorite way of expression and yeah, so. Yeah, it's always been music. Who do you say like? What do you say is like your influence when you're making music? Like, who are your like influences? My influences mainly, I'd say, um, Eminem, Jay Z, Kanye, those sort of artists. Michael Jackson, Nirvana, Arctic Monkeys. A mixture of loads. Like, I'm, I, I get inspired by like songwriting and lyricism, creative writing, things like that, and poetic writing. Yeah, um, I can hear that in your um, that track. I had a dream, a track that mm. like, like that's like that proper lyricism, but you did it in a way that's kind of that's still kind of like catchy. Yeah, like in like a new wave sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah tried to. It's poetic, man. Because mm. uh, I don't know if even Sampala knows this, but I have a poetry page as well, bro. <laughs> you have a what? I have a poetry page as well, man. All right, dude. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. So like, I've checked it out. I've been I've been writing poetry since I was like fourteen. The only reason mm. why I started is because you're trying to pick up girls. That's the only reason, bro. <laughs> so remember that episode in Fresh Prince? I don't know if anyone uh, remembers it, but he only picked up a poetry class so that he could like woo uh, this girl he had a crush on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And he he like had an alias and he put like a fake mustache on and is everything. It like Ralph Le, the, the yeah. ghetto or something. Ralph like that. Le, the ghetto. Yeah. 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 <laughs> De La Ghetto, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then he had, like, his little, like, um, what's that smoking pipe, whatever it is. Mm. And then he just recited it. And in the end, he got Jeffrey to do it for him. <laughs> and Jeffrey got the girl. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's why I started, you know? And then um, mm. I guess when I got more in tune with, like, uh, I guess, sales in a way, you know, how you mm. can uh, convince someone to your point of view, how you can... Mm express yourself creatively and i guess the two kind of mesh together and kind of form this poetic version of myself mm. and for those of uh, my friends who are out there right now like the mandem and all of that they're probably like wait like this guy's doing poetry and like, that doesn't make sense yeah you know? but it's always kind of being there and i guess through a combination of six years of girlfriends I guess I've honed in that skill where now I can like be comfortable doing it myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. And actually putting it out. So, 
Are you still doing it today? Like you do it these days? Yeah, but like instead of like that romantic shit, because bro, like I used to do some romantic corny ass (laughs) bullshit. Yeah, wet in a diaper, bro. I can't lie to you. Like quite quite quick. Can can we hear one of them? Yeah, and I think it trans. Like there was this one song that I wrote, um, and it was basically a parody of one of J. Cole's songs. Let me let me get it real quick. Who you are is only. Mm. Yeah, so that actual song in the album, not like the album itself, but that song, I parodied in it. And it was a love song, I can't lie, yeah, when yeah. I put it out, but like I changed it around. Um, I started, you know, doing some recreational activities and like kind of finding a, like a flow, mm. you know? I'm never going to rap, by the way. I, I understand how high-pitched my voice is. I'm not going to do that shit. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm self-aware, but... um. I, I got down with the flow. I've always been into like hip hop and that. And now it's more about self-development and philosophy because for me, the word success is like a drug for me. Like I lost after it. Mm. And I guess through lusting after it, I've kind of um, fallen in love with exposing or triggering that mindset in other people. So I guess that's why we're doing the podcast now. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's like something I want to do as well, like basically as much as I can, not only through music, like through music, obviously, and just make it more, see how I can make it more empowering or inspiring and just allowing people to believe in themselves, basically. Because it's something I struggled with for a long time and basically affected my music as well, but... It's like pretty much the most crucial thing and um, is to be on your own side. Like people, people don't really put much value in their own support. They'll, they'll rather just look like they just want to be supported by other people, but they're not willing to support themselves like to the fullest. So yeah, yeah trigger that through people. Like, yeah, I'm trying to do that as much as I can through the music. Yeah, because I guess, um, like, we always hear this phrase, it's like, it starts from within, right? Yeah. And we hear that, we're like, yo, this is kind of gay. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean start from within? Like, like within myself? Like, I don't want it up me anywhere. <laughs> right? Nah. <But> <laughs> Alright, don't get triggered, don't get triggered. <laughs> right, yo, I want to get cancelled. Cancel me now, please. Um, <laughs> Like, where is that? Where are the people who cancel? Like, where are they at? I, I, can't, I can't see them. Shh. Anyways. Um, but yeah, no, we hear that phrase, right? Um, but it's true because of the fact that once we're able to be on our own side truly, right? Mm. And understand where our strengths are versus our weaknesses, then we can, you know, surround ourselves with people who have strengths where your weaknesses are, you know, and then get better yeah. through that medium, you know? Yeah. Or surround yourself with people who will lift you up, but also give you constructive criticism. Yeah. And that mm. will lift you up. And sometimes yeah. actually isolating yourself and reading books about the topics that you are not comfortable with or you um want to learn more about like 
for example, you want to learn more about music, right? So you download one of your favorite artists, let's say Eminem's biography, autobiography. Mm. You know? And from that, you can gain like some form of inspiration. Me and I'm right now, I'm reading this book called Third Circle Theory. Um, I've showed it to CJ. Yeah, I finished and it. I need to read it. I need to reread that book because I want to... But you finished it? Yeah, yeah, I finished it. I just need to... I want to reread yeah. it so I can get more. And uh, a summary of that book is basically seeing the world through the lens of a third person. Mm. You know? So where you're seeing life outside of yourself. So you have a bird's eye view and everyone knows that from a bird's eye view, you can really pick apart different things like let's say you're watching a football match if you're watching the football match and you see an opportunity for someone to shoot you're like why the fuck isn't he shooting mm. but the person who is shooting it's going to be way harder for him to see the opportunity you know because the mm. vision is like here rather than over here and when you're here and when you adjust yourself you can be like oh okay so this is what i was fucking up all these years yeah yeah you know, or this is the thing mm. that was holding me back. So that's what I wanted to ask you. What was the thing that was holding you back? Um, starting uh, music because you've only started publicizing the shit now. Yeah, I'd say like to put it as simply as I can, it's self confidence. Self confidence, yeah. like it's easy, like on the surface, like it's easy. Like people talk about it, like, oh, just be confident, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But it's easy to say, it's easier said than done, um, especially when it comes to how the mind works and how involuntary it is. Because just because you, because you can have a lot of anxiety and that, yeah. but if you're identified with it, it's like you are that anxious person. Whereas if you're aware that it's just your mind, um, acting in a certain way you're able to step out of it you're like free from it and not one with that anxiety sort of thing um yeah so before i like learned that before i learned that it was like i couldn't see a way to, to be confident basically this is just and it became frustrating like i'm not confident everyone's telling me i should be confident but it's like, how do I be confident? I'm trying to be confident, but I'm not confident. So, and then that just turns into a whole downward spiral of self-hate. Yeah, it's like and a snowball effect, isn't it? Things like that, yeah. Okay, one component leads to that other component, which makes me feel even more anxious. And you start yeah. And then you start yeah. overthinking everything. <laughs> and you go into like this midlife crisis where you're like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? And yeah, plus it's a bit like, do you know how people are always like, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. Yeah. But no one, no one ever talks about how to put your mind to something. Mm. Like no one teaches you how to put your mind. Like it's not easy to put your mind to something. Even you know like it's, a simple it's not task. Even easy to describe it. Mm. You know? It's not easy for someone to articulate the steps in which you need to gain clarity about becoming a better x or a better y you know what i mean mm. so i don't know man it's it's because it's not publicized yeah that's the there's thing a which reason, I find... there's a reason why we are not told these hidden gems 
and we have to yeah. search for it. You Definitely. Know, we yeah, if you are willing, if you are willing to, I don't know how deep you are willing to go on this podcast, but very, very yeah. deep, bro. <laughs> so listen, listen to me, yeah? pause, pause, yo, like, you, well, it's, people are gonna it's touch so you. Done on purpose, isn't it? What did you say, Sampala? So done on purpose, like if you go deep enough, there's a reason they don't want people looking at themselves, they want people looking out there, yeah, they want people to believe they are powerless and things like that, and yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If you believe, yeah, if you believe you're like powerless in it, then someone else can control you at the end of the day. Exactly. Yeah. Um, exactly. There's a reason why only two percent of people have an abundance of wealth that keeps churning, just like butter. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Keeps on yeah. going, keeps going without even having to touch anything. Whereas mm. ninety-eight of uh ninety-eight percent of people are asleep or asleep in quotation mark but mm. in reality if two percent of the population were able to accumulate that amount of wealth surely that means that we can as well yeah but we have to dig even deeper now because there's a cluster of information nowadays yeah you know so that's the thing i think yeah go on no, sorry to interrupt, but it's like there's always two sides to the thing. Um, like that's the point, yeah. I forgot what point you were making, then I just lost it. Yeah, no, it's cool. um, just carry on what you're saying. I it's um, like we could go very deep in this podcast, to be honest with you, because um, like I've been, like, I'm, I'm, I'm willing, I'm down. I'm a philosopher. I also regard myself a philosopher. So if we want to talk spiritual and philosophical, we should. Yeah, man. I, I guess um, if it gets to that point. But... What, what I want to be doing for myself personally, and this is a standard that I hold myself to, mm. right, is I want to become a thought leader, right? Mm. So, of course, like through philosophy, et cetera, et cetera. And I kind of see life as like a, a combination of lines that attach to a different node, just like a flowchart would. Yeah. You know? So I saw this quote, or not even a quote, I saw this imagery from this guy I follow called Novin JC. I don't know if you've heard of him, Sampala, or not. No. <clears throat> but it's like this diagram, right? And it basically goes like, okay, do you have a problem? Cool. Can you do something about it? Yes. Then go. If you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it. You know? Mm. And the the diagram keeps on going and going and going, right? Mm. But it's like, if it's in your control, do something about it. If you don't, then why worry? Oh, yeah. One of my friends uh, was talking about that. We'll try and get him on the podcast as well. What's his name? uh, Rada. Brother, yeah, shout out to Rada, my guy. Shout out to him, yeah. He was talking about the circle of influence and the circle of, um, like control or something like that. Mm. It's like if it's out of your control, it there's no point thinking of it. It was like this uh, diagram thing, like I can't remember how, like I remember it vaguely, but yeah, it's Mm. it's about that same, um, it's basically the same thing, yeah, that makes sense, yeah, yeah. But it forms back from like the habits that we build, right? So at the beginning of life like we're pure, you know? 
We don't have any like shitty foods in us that like clog up our system in some ways. We don't, you know, feed ourselves with like toxins like weed, alcohol, like all of this shit. We don't mm. take on board the points of views and perspectives of people who are chained to the society that we live in, right? Yeah. And by that, I mean the survival instinct where it's only about surviving at minimum. Mm. And that's the best you can do. And the way in which you do that is through traditional schooling where you're taught, again, these minor, minor habits that you take in subconsciously and the end result is your personality yeah. and that becomes your personality. Mm. And that's why you see so many people talking about unlearning nowadays. Yeah. But guess yeah, what the is. system has also geared you for? To take in hours and hours of content that you will have to unlearn. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So you're, yeah. so you're kind of stuck in this spiral. And I guess um, you can go on from that, bro, because if you wanted to go deep, I've kind of opened the canister of worms, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that's a good place to start the whole education system. Because yeah. um, I feel like that's one of the big pillars of um, control that those in power have over us. So yeah. it's basically like, it's like a factory, basically. Just imagine, as you said, this pure whatever being spirit is born, and by the time you're three years old or whatever, they've started molding your brain through the education system. Mm. Um, you become used to seeing this authority figure that you have to follow in classroom. So that's basically the indoctrination starts from there. And you have to do that until most people till say they get to year 11, till 16. Yeah. Um, so that's like, what, 13 years of like everyday programming. Essential. Programming, exactly. And basically, like, the education system isn't there to educate us, really. It's there to create workers uh, for the system. Workers the whole nine-to-five thing. Mm. We've been, we got used to it at school because we used to go to school nine-to-three. So it's come, I got to work nine-to-five. I used to be scared of my teacher or whatever. So it's come, I'll be scared of my boss. We just basically trained to live this way. Exactly. And yes, comfortability for another comfortability, right? Yeah, exactly. And then they always, the way they do it as well, they just dangle this little carrot. So when you're at school, it's like, just keep running. You get your job at the end of this, keep running. Yeah, exactly. So you just keep running. Um, and then you get your job, just keep running. You get your pension at the end of this, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Before you know it, you're 65 years old. You're too old, blah, blah, blah. And then you just wrote in a thingy. So the system has sucked your energy. The matrix has used you and ready to dispose it, basically. That's the people who are stuck in the system. But not everyone ends up in the system, like, say, entrepreneurs or people who, who like, there's a lot of hella rich people who, um, like, they dropped out of school early or whatever. I think a lot of it is to do with how they just grew up viewing society and reality in a different way and it's not as molded as everyone who just stayed in the whole boxed way of thinking and the whole indoctrination thing 
but yeah, this like the education that's one one big like it's one main pillar, right? Pillar so mm -hmm. like, we're basically discussing the third circle theory at the moment, right? Mm. Where it's like okay, one of the main fundamental pillars that like kind of program our brains is the education system, but it's also like our experiences. Yeah. And the way in which these entrepreneurial figures kind of um, beat their way out of this box, right? Or like mm. make the these walls that they're surrounded by crumble down is because they've experienced something that's made them think, I don't belong in this box. Made them question mm. everything. And like, I don't know, from young, I feel like the seed was planted in me from, I suppose, like, I have some uncles and aunties who are entrepreneurial figures. You know? Yeah. Like, they're entrepreneurs already. Like, they, they make good money. Uh, <clears throat> you know, normally from an Asian household, you do find some uncles who are hella, hella rich, right? Mm. You know? And when they sit down with you, you know, they take you to, I don't know, uh, I used to have golf lessons with one of these uncles, right? Yeah. And he used to teach me. And like through those conversations, he was like, listen, uh, save your money, don't spend it, which is the complete opposite of what, you know, the system teaches us to do. Yeah. You know? Or find something that you're passionate about from young, yeah. which is the opposite of what the system teaches you. Because think about it like this. Everyone's been to at least high school, right? Most mm. people have been to high school, middle school, you know? And from there, are you taught, okay, you need to find a specialty? Fuck no. Mm. You're taught, listen, math, science, English, they're fundamental. They are, by the way, definitely. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, math yeah, and English, yeah, yeah. You, you need to understand like those things. Uh, English to communicate, maths to... Well, maths is fundamental in all areas, especially financial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, problem solving mm -hmm. as well. And science to kind of understand the mechanics of the world. But like science will touch on another day because like, I can't be asked to unwind that web. <laughs> <laughs> right? But we're not taught to search for our passions early on. And I think that's one of the fundamental areas where, I mean, in an idealistic world we change but we can't change because mm. yeah. we won't keep the rich rich and the poor poor yeah you know yeah that's the whole thing it also comes back to the whole survival thing yeah. um like obviously we have to survive like that's number one thing yeah and um, so that we stay here in this human experience but in terms of the resources that are available right now on the planet it's like we can move beyond some just survival sort yeah. of thing. We can move on to bigger things. But those in power are making sure that the masses or whatever are only in survival mode. So they'll be willing to accept the peanuts that they, they throw at them, basically, like the whole nine to five thing, like compared to, like people think it's a, Obviously, compared to poor countries, like I grew up in Zambia, like I've seen what poverty is like. Mm. And so if you if you say, I don't know, someone who gets paid 20K a year, yeah, that's a pretty that's a decent job. Like 
but compared to like say I don't know what those um billionaires or whatever are making millionaires like the wealth distribution is just it's crazy that people don't even look at it and question whether something needs to change yeah like obviously you could say or oh, work hard work hard like they did blah 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 but there's clearly a, ma- a manipulation going on yeah that, so that's that's one yeah. thing that's very weird it's like you see how you were saying about peanuts right like in in mm. a job that's like 20k realistically speaking you're getting paid peanuts because it's a business and at the end of the day mm. with you they're cutting costs and they're getting the most out of you right yeah and that way to them it's like oh yeah i'm getting a great return on investment on this little bitch over here you know <laughs> like <laughs> this guy is basically the hamster and we're just turning the wheel that's it we're just turning and turning, yeah. and turning the wheel. right um I mean, we, we went pretty deep in, in the whole, like, thing. But I want to kind of, like, take it away from that a little bit. But mm. he mentioned there that he's from Zambia. I want to know more about that experience, bro. That kind of in Zambia. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, like... So what were the differences, key differences between growing up as a Zambian boy named Sampala compared to the life that you lead now, bro? What, what for between when I was growing up in Zambia to here? Yeah, yeah so yeah, what experience? What talk experience to us about the Zambian experience. Yeah, so like, um, it was crazy, like, it was crazy. So, well, we grew up in a just like lower middle class family. I didn't say we were like rich or anything, but we weren't like proper, like poor and that. Yeah. But some of my friends, I remember, like, they were slow, like, barely had anywhere to anything to eat sometimes or they can't afford shoes things like that yeah. but it's like I don't know we just grew up in and like acceptance of like this is just how it is sort of thing just because you go everywhere like there's loads of poor people there's loads of uh, rich people but rich people were like really rare in Zambia I thought oh that's just how it is but yeah. then moving to the UK it's like wow, it looks like almost everyone's rich now. Like from the perspective of everyone in the UK, everyone's just like normal, calm. But if you like compared to an average person in Zambia, it's like, wow, you're pretty rich. So it's like, yeah, in a rich country. And then I don't know, you kind of think like, oh, how is it that there's a whole country of people living like this and then there's a different country, but that's a different subject. But yeah, there was a lot of, lot of good experiences. Like, and like there was once. Like, a story, bro. Like a story that's close to your heart. Like, just share something to the people. Um, I don't know. Like, I used to enjoy just going out on like adventures because our house used to be on the end of the neighborhood, mm. so there used to be a massive wall split in like the wilderness and like where the cities and that we okay. used to like sneak out climb over the wall <laughs> yeah climb over the wall and just walk in the wilderness and i don't know we're only like what's 
we must have been only like six, seven or something. Yeah. And it, we used to see like massive snakes, so like poisonous snakes and that, like from a bit of a distance. And it's like, I don't know, you're just not worried. You're just, you're one, something about you knows you'll be protected by, by whatever, by God or whatever the creator is. And yeah, there was once I nearly stood on a snake I think I was like eight. Literally, I stood up, uh, stepped out of my doorstep, and there was a cobra um, right there, like kind of nearly stood on it. So it kind of like lifted its hood up, like it's about to spit. I was like shitting it, like I just ran off, crying my eyes out. Um, it's just like waiting for you. And then the same night. Hmm? It's just like waiting for you at the door as soon as it opens. Like literally at the door. Yeah. I just came back from school, like excited to go out and yeah. 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 snake no, chase come back. Snakes are always <laughs> <in the> <laughs> story, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> they're just out here, they're just waiting for us, bro. Um, yeah, shit, I remember like um, when I was younger, I used to play golf, right? So imagine my guy's talking about like Zambia and how like the door is entering to the jungle and how he's like surrounded by all of this wildlife, right? <laughs> and I'm talking about I went to a golf course, saw a snake run away like a little bitch. A golf course. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I feel, I feel like mm. at Zambia, just countries like that in general, like people there are more appreciative of like the little, the little things compared yeah. to like mm. where we're like... Yeah, definitely. We'll complain about like some stupidness, like basically first world problems at the end of the day. Man. But like it's also yeah, it's like, like bullshit over here. Like mm. I feel like in Zambia, it's like, okay, cool. People know their place. Like, poor people kind of know that they need to live for their means, innit? Yeah. You know, like, they can't uh, go to a fancy restaurant because, one, there's not many fancy restaurants out there mm. to be able to indulge. And, two, mm. you need to, you know, have that first survival instinct of feeding their family. Right? But over here, yeah. people act like they're rich. Yeah, everyone wants to put on a front. Everyone wants to put on a front. And like, if you don't, <laughs> then you're not abiding by societal norms. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. what the fucked up thing is, you know? It's like... It's more real. It's more real in, in like... It's more real. Yeah, that's, that's what we're saying, basically. Yeah. That's it. I think growing up there or like experiencing places like that, I think it teaches you gratitude as well. Yeah. Um, where if you, you just... You're, you know you'll be fine in a way you don't have everything you want but you've got everything you need so yeah you but no the best thing to do is to just appreciate that you've got what you need and just not bother yourself or feel or suffer about what not having what you want basically but yeah i think i think a lot of gratitude a lot of my gratitude i think comes from i think i learned it a lot from zambia being able to just focus on what you have, like, because it can be the thing about gratitude. Yeah, you can you can choose to tune into it in any situation, like whatever situation you're in. There's always something you can look at that you are grateful for, and you can tap into that energy, tune into it, and yeah, express it, express it. But yeah, that's a little. To like gratitude, proper, powerful, powerful yeah. stuff. I think um, for a lot of the mandem out there, yeah, 
who mm. are looking at this word gratitude and they're like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, why, why would I show gratitude when I live in a county estate? Do you know what I mean? Like, why mm. would I do that? Or I'm okay. I have a secure job. Why do I have to show gratitude? Like, why mm. do I have to do this? And it's, it's not about like, oh, I'm, I'm grateful for that donut that um, auntie got me yesterday. Do you know what I mean? It's not about that shit. It's about being grateful for the vessel that you've been gifted yeah. and the opportunity that you have as a human being. You know? Mm. Like, we're at the top of the food chain. Sorry, all the vegans, but we're at the top of the food chain. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. You know? So, I say that to say, like, we have to make use of it. And as soon as we show that gratitude, that will turn into a snowball effect in the other way. Yeah, yeah. Where we're like, okay, cool. So I've been gifted all of this. Maybe I should run sometime. Mm. You know, because if I run, I'll be able to like be more agile, be more like a an old school Homo sapiens, you know, who is like running and climbing to get away from stuff. You know, I, think, I feel like rather um, than this yeah. little cozy apartment block in central London, you know, for example. Yeah. I think what kind of helped people like actually think about the small things was actually lockdown. Anyway. 100% man during like the main when COVID was like high when everything was um yeah when everything was new like walking down the street walking down the street seemed just weird didn't it because you had to keep your distance from people yeah you had to like you couldn't go too near people you had to do all this and yeah. like you think back to back in the day how we would take all of that for a grind yeah 100% literally mm. yeah like that's like situations and circumstances always always make you or they can or like they give you the opportunity to look at the things you you appreciate and with the whole the whole gratitude thing as well it's not just necessarily like oh why should I be grateful sort of thing Mm. like as you're saying earlier like sometimes there's people who are living through suffering and a lot of it is like just caused by the mind like pretty much all suffering is just your mind basically and gratitude is like imagine it energetically like there's a negative if there's a negative energy such as i don't know fear or anxiety let's say worry no not worry yeah worry worry for example you can like counter it with um looking at something else that you are certain about that already happened and then like that worry will disappear. And with gratitude, you might, like someone might suffer because of a situation and it's just their mind latching onto that. But if you choose in that moment to look at something that you are grateful about yeah. and just put your focus or attention on that, like regardless of this massive negative thing, you just choose to put your attention on this little thing you're grateful for. Like within a few minutes, like your state will start to like improve and things like that. Okay, you can, yeah, yeah, you can actually, it's like a mental, a mental weapon, basically. Yeah, man, I guess that brings me to the point about what you think about more or what you think about the most, you probably become or you probably mm. receive. You know, yeah. so I let me touch on the point about what you said um about fear, right? Or about 
a really negative circumstance that's happened, right? So suffering. Mm-hmm. And everyone suffering, like suffering is not something that's comparable, you know? The reason why you suffer mental trauma, like from mental trauma or whatever, yeah. is because you've been through something like that and your brain associates that thing with that treacherous feeling, yeah. you know? And, you know, as much as people want to say, oh, I'm a logical thinker. I only do things based on logic. No, you don't. Do you know what I mean? No, you don't. Sally, come on. Come on. You're not logical, mate. You're an emotional human being, right? And that's what we are, man. We, we normally base things off of a feeling and then we go for it. Let's say your next track. The reason why you've created that track is because it makes you have a feeling of elation. You know, it's like, okay, I'm proud of this. You know, I want this to be heard. You know, this is a masterpiece, right? That's the feeling that's associated with it. So what do you do? You keep on making music again and again and again. You know, but it will never be comparable, right? So the elation that you get from music, I'll probably never get. Because we're two different people. We've gone through different experiences that makes us feel different feelings. In the same way that the suffering that someone feels from like, what's the worst crime? You know, let's go there. You know, rape. Yeah. Right? Someone who's been raped versus someone who's uh, lost their job. Yeah. Obviously, you would uh, try and logically think about it and you'd be like, the person who raped got um, got the worst hand, you know, they got dealt the worst hand, obviously, right? But mm. to the person who just lost their job, the right, and who can't feed their kids, <laughs> right, and doesn't know where to go and doesn't have any other skill sets or hasn't got, like, a degree, they're like, this is the end of my world. My world is tumbling down, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So... I guess, you know, you, that's why we say look into yourself, you know, Mm -hmm. like yourself or believe in yourself because you can climb out of any dark, dark hole if you want it. And if you felt like it was possible. Yeah, that's an important thing. That's an important thing, isn't it? To, to think it's possible because if you don't think it's possible, then. Never gonna happen. That's not gonna happen, is it? All right, man. Tell me something that's that's happened in your life that sparked change, like a big change. Like what what's happened in your life in the last two years that's been like, okay, this was fucked. I have to realign and readjust. Um, oh, that's an interesting question. I wouldn't say it's hard to pinpoint like specifically. Like looking back on it. It's all been like a crazy journey. That's what like, I talk about. That's what it is. There's one that's thing that's deep and he doesn't want to unearth it. And then, but I'd say 2019, when I went on holiday, I, um, I had like a, a spiritual experience, like a spiritual awakening sort of thing. Mm. Um, since then, I felt like I've not been the same person. But it's always been like. What did you do? Did you do some ayahuasca shit? <laughs> nah, it was, it was it was just weed and alcohol mainly. But 
yeah yeah it was like i was the highest i've ever been i was like that's i was on my philosophy stuff just i don't know contemplation and studying certain spiritual stuff and just observing and noticing certain things about yeah. your experience and it's crazy you know because um that just made me think right a lot of people who smoke weed or have smoked weed become spiritual when they come off weed mm. right and it, it is because like okay it alters you know the patterns of thought you know the thc level starts to become uh a norm yeah. and if you don't have the same thc level you start to see like a world that's not distorted but very different to what you're used to living yeah you know and um i mean if you do it a lot then obviously everything becomes boring but if you do it a little bit you kind of know how to get yourself to that level of high sober yeah and that's when it becomes really exciting you know I mean, I'm not going to say I dabbled in it because, you know, I can't say that publicly. <laughs> but what I can say is I've indulged in some recreational activities. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, think, I think it was before you were on about how stoners, how it's like when they stop smoking, they become spiritual. Yeah. For me, it's when I started smoking that I, be, I started becoming uh, spiritual. Before that, I'd say I'd class myself as I was like kind of religious not exactly, but it was like I got to a point where there were a lot of unanswered questions. And yeah, so then I started smoking and then like, whoa, a whole new thing. I'm not condoning smoking, by the way, but yeah, yeah. yeah when I like just to first, I was just intrigued by how reality could be so altered or my experience of reality could be so different just by smoking yeah. or something. And yeah, so find find it intriguing. Mother Nature. Just the whole idea of like consciousness, consciousness and how it can easily be manipulated in a way. Yeah. Manipulated and can have so much. thinking about like how you've been manipulated, right? And then you get into this whole whirlwind of things that we just spoke about for like half an hour, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know? But yeah, I was just I was just mentioning that for me it was stepping outside of my mental box through yeah. weed. That's fucking interesting, man. Like, um, low-key, there's some people who I'm in talks with, like, that you are about to collab with, you know, that also do that. So we'll, we'll ask them about that. Yeah. You know, because uh, obviously that one guy in particular does smoke quite a bit. So it'll be interesting to get his perspective on how that relates back to spirituality. Yeah, plus I think a lot of drugs, like, obviously there's a lot of, um, what do you call it, danger and that with drugs, like, yeah. um, but I don't think the main reason it's illegal is to protect people, like, if we're truly honest, those in power don't really care about the people. The main reason I think it's illegal is because it opens up different perspectives and people can, people would question reality too much, basically, so. About it's not DMT. it's not safe to yeah, be free dmt and ayahuasca right mm. and that dmt is supposed to propel your like you're supposed it's like a rebirth yeah um talk about the music equipment and how to like get started because i think a lot of people want to know you know a lot of people yeah. are going to be uh, watching you guys talk about like 
how you guys are artists, how you guys have like tried different things, how you were trying things acoustically, you know, like how you've been like producing now and you have beats available to buy and shit. Mm. So how did you get into that process? Like what did you, st- what was the first step? Um, well, cause I was at school, basically I did it and it's like, you see what they've got, but it's mainly, I'd say the software is the number one thing, just like getting on the software. You can you can learn if you've got headphones and the software you can get so far. It depends what you're doing, whether you're being an artist or a producer. If you're a producer, then um obviously the software and that. If you're an artist and you say you wanna record at home by yourself, um then just a decent microphone, I'd say is the main thing. Um mm. headphones. And what software? Yeah, that's software. Software. I use a uh, Logic Pro. Mm. And you can, but if you're on PC, you can use. I use FL Studio as well, which is it's good for making beats. Yeah, yeah. But it's good with audio as well. Yeah, um, I guess. What do you use, bro? Yeah, because I mostly use FL. Yeah. Yeah. Now, go for it. Talk, talk about it a little bit more, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I know, I know you. Look, you know we're talking FL, to audience as well. Yeah, FL Studio, like. I think nowadays it's uh, a good thing about nowadays compared to like back in the day is that like it's easier for like independent artists to actually like make music at home because you mm. can, like you can buy like you can buy a good like a decent mic for like cheap nowadays. Obviously, mm. if you've got software, you can buy um, you can buy some headphones. You can buy um, yeah mics and such. Yeah, microphones, stereos. Yeah, because yeah, uh, obviously I've got two monitors. Um, one that I got is the Pro Ringer ones. Mm. That was from my dad, so I didn't actually buy those. Like, he he just had them and he just uh, passed them down to me. Really. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so how long you been doing them producing? Sorry, How long you been producing and rapping and all the whole music thing? I've been like so producing. I've been doing it since I've been doing it for six years now, and then mm. yeah, literally, and then uh, rapping. I've been doing it for properly for probably four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because right, like, like my intention when I started making music was just to do producing, but then mm. I kind of because some of my friends that I met through college were kind of rapping. Uh, oh. They kind they kind of they kind of dragged me into that the rapping thing, and then after oh, after time I just kind of yeah kind of stuck with it as well. No. Nice, nice. Yeah, man. No, you guys chop out, man. Fuck you. <laughs> Yeah, we should definitely, definitely collab. How long you been uh, rapping for? Um, so I started when I was like thirteen. Mm. Um, so I did, like thirteen years basically, but like um, often not not like proper consistently. Yeah, yeah. Um, I started taking it. I started taking it like proper seriously when I was like eighteen. Um, when I moved to uni and that. Basically, me moving to uni wasn't really about uni. Um, it was just about me uh, coming to London. That's how I ended up in London. Um, so it was I went there to uni for music. And then after I finished uni, I was still in London. And I thought my business wasn't done in London. That was how, that was then when I was at, um, at Pantheon. That was like a year after, the year after uni. <laughs> But, yeah. Wait, so, so you went to uni to study music, and that's how you got here. Yeah. But, but 
you must have had a pretty supporting family then. No? Yeah. Because yeah, I did we're still. pushing you to do something like music, which is uh, traditionally in like our circles and like back on. Uh, if I was still at home in Tanzania and my my granddad, rest in peace, but if my granddad was still alive, he wouldn't push me to do music, you know? He pushed me to be a lawyer yeah. or something like that, right? Like traditional shit. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, oh. as you'd, what as you'd expect, you as you'd expect to like African parents, like my parents are like, before before I even did it, they tried to talk me out of it. Like, no, there's no jobs in music, blah, blah, blah. You should do, like, I don't know, be a doctor or something, you know, like, a secure job thing. Yeah. But for me, I always saw it as I'm more likely to succeed doing what um what I enjoy doing and that and I don't want to spend my time doing what I don't enjoy doing. Like, yeah, everyone's gonna die one day. And then imagine looking back thinking, oh, I spent my time doing that thing. But yeah, they never really like pushed me to do it. They just they just let go and allowed me to do it sort of thing. So what, like, what was the process? Were you like kind of pushing back at them over and over again? Like, Yeah, I just, I just had to take my stance that I, I'd rather do music and that. Plus to be fair, like I hated school and just education in general, just, but music is different. It's like, it's not really, everything else basically at school feels like you're working. But music, music, you play music. So it's like, mm. yeah, I'd rather I'd rather play than work. Yeah. As even though that sounds proper lazy or whatever, but <laughs> but life's a game, man. You'd rather do something you want to do than to do than to just be stuck doing something that your heart's not really in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, because um like I follow this principle, it's called Ikigai, right? It's a Japanese principle. I don't know, you probably heard it. <clears throat> but it's like a combination of um, if you if you love what you do, you have passion behind it and then you've mapped out a mission. So you've been motivated enough to map out a mission for it. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a good starting point, right? And then you look for other factors of like what the world actually needs from you. So like what your skill set lends itself to more. And I'm sure everyone can agree who's listening. The music probably lends itself to both of these guys. Mm. You know? I mean, Sampala definitely for like the philosophical venting that he's allowed to do through music. Mm. And for CJ, like he's always like, <clears throat> been around producing equipment for, as you said, like six years. Yeah, yeah. You know? And like you probably have some role models that have pushed you. Yeah to do that so. so bro plug as much as you can right now yeah literally plug yourself wow. like, where do you want the people to follow you right um so follow me on instagram and yeah. twitter yeah and it's at this is chris one two three instagram and twitter at password in high school this <laughs> is chris one two three mm. YouTube channel, true. Just type in Tris, philosophy, spirituality. The channel will come up. Um, oh yeah, he's got the keyboard somewhere, yeah, somewhere. But yeah, it's me. Alright, cool. As always, follow us. So follow your beats page. That was it called? Beats page called Dusty. Called mm. uh, C O L dot 
D-U-S-T-I, Cold Dusty. My main one, CJ, CJ underscore L-O-R-D-A-N-E, CJ Lordain. Uh, for you? For me, like, as always, it's Mizan A-H on every platform. So M-I-Z-A-N-A-H on Instagram, on Snapchat, if you want to add me on Snapchat. <laughs> Um, and then obviously I got my Zan Words page, so Z-A-N Words for poetry. And then obviously just subscribe to this channel because we're trying to make waves. We're going to bring on so many different people from so many different fields, different side hustles. And you're going to follow the journey through like potential collabs that we might do. So stay tuned, I guess. I guess we're out here, bro. We're, we're out done. here, man. We're done. We're out.